I'm going to ask you, if you will, to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Micah. Micah. While you're turning there, I, I want to tell you what a, always a privilege it is to be with you, to have the opportunity to be with God's people. I know in these days, we, uh, we look around and we wonder, you know, what, what's going on? What's going on? That's the way it was in the days of Micah. In Micah chapter 7, I want to start in that first verse, and I'm going to just make a few comments as we go along, but actually I'm going to be focusing in on the last three verses, 18, 19, 20. But to bring us up to where we are in those last three verses, let's read a few verses and I'll just kind of comment and pray the Lord bless. Verse 1, Woe is me. For I am as when they have gathered the summer fruits, as the grape gleanings of the vintage. There's no cluster to eat. My soul desired the first ripe fruit. The good man is perished out of the earth, and there's none upright among men. They all lie in wait for blood. They hunt every man his brother with a net, that they may do evil with both hands earnestly. The prince asketh, and the judge asketh for a reward, and the great man he uttereth his mischievous desire. So they wrap it up. The best of them is as a briar. The most upright is sharper than a thorn hedge. The day of thy watchman, and thy visitation cometh. Now shall be their perplexity. Here the prophet bears his heart. Bearing his heart before Almighty God and the people for what he saw going on around him. He thought that faith and the faithful were practically gone from the earth. I looked, he said in that first verse. I'm like those that wanted something profitable, good. It just doesn't seem as though that there's respect for Almighty God as there once was. I know this. Man has always been as man is. Nothing's ever changed. But as we look around and we behold, it appears, the restraining grace of God being removed. And we look around and we see that this world and its religion is so openly, blatantly, blasphemingly opposed to Almighty God and those things that we hold so dear. This world hates God. It hates God's people. Now, do you know Scripture bears that out? And it has one desire, to do evil toward God's people and to do it calling it good. These evil people that stand for those things that are honorable. But in this day of open rebellion, I know that these days are not always going to continue. Verse 4 that we read there, it says that the best of them is a briar, the most upright is sharper than a thorn hedge. Oh, but the day of thy watchman and thy visitation cometh. And now 
shall be their perplexity. The Lord is going to have a witness in this earth until the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then all things are going to be settled. The books are going to be opened in the book. And men are going to be judged out of the books, those that have not the Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Mediator, to stand. And everything is going to be exposed. And Almighty God, who is just and honorable, in that day has promised perplexity is going to be for all those that have not a substitute. Verse 5 and 6, Trust ye not in a friend, put ye not confidence in a guide, keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom, for the son dishonoreth the father, the daughter riseth up against her mother, the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies are the men of his own house. Sadly, who does one have that he can truly rest in and trust in in this world as sincere as God's people desire to be? I would want to be a trustworthy friend. I would. I would want to be that. But I can tell you this, given the right circumstances, as much as I'd hate to admit it, given the right circumstances, I promise you I'd disappoint you and you me. Don't put your trust in anything in this world. We have no confidence whatsoever in the flesh. Ours or someone else's. Verse 7, therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Though things appear to be so out of control. I remember what Brother Scott said one time when things like today just seem as though that they're so unstable. So, what's going on? Don't put your trust in anyone that was born in Adam. Don't put your trust in anybody. They will disappoint you. You will be. The, the prophet says, I will look Unto the Lord. I, every time I, I look at that capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Jehovah, the triune God, put your trust in the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. One God, put your trust in Him who has everlastingly loved His people. Put your trust in Him who has purposed to save His elect. Put your trust in Him who has redeemed His church, His bride. Put your trust in Him who shall surely call His people out of darkness. What a statement of hope. Oh, how dearly do I long to believe this right here. I will look unto the Lord. Oh, how I, I needed to... Uh, have a good good reminder to myself how I needed desperately to hear this right here and to be reminded that when I can find no lasting confidence in the closest of friends I know this I can trust him I know I can he said I'll never leave you I'll never forsake you even in the disappointments, even in the sorrows and the failings of others, when they are the means by the grace of God, and they are, when Almighty God who rules in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, when Almighty God 
who moves all things after the counsel of his own will, when he alone takes these sorrows and these disappointments and causes them by his grace and mercy and power to be the means to drive me to Christ, those failings truly are blessings. Sicknesses, disappointments in any area, name whatever area, whatever they are, if it causes you to cast yourself upon the mercy of God, that was a blessing. Because had the Lord not said that, let me tell you what we'd have done. We'd have been so complacent, we would have said in our hearts, everything's great, everything's good, everything's okay. We'll have no more trouble, no more trial. No, let me tell you what's going to happen in this world. And this is what's going to happen. These days are going to get worse and worse. They're going to get worse. I don't care what anybody says. They're going to get worse. And the day of the Lord is going to come in a day when there's going to be great tribulation. We hadn't seen anything yet. We think it's bad. No. Things are going to be as Almighty God says they are. Brother Scott used to say, who's running this show anyway? Who's in control of this anyway? I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. I'm going to wait on God. You know the hardest thing in the world for a person to do? Wait. Just wait. Moses and the children of Israel were hemmed up between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army. And here comes the army, and there's the sea. And this is what Moses said, stand still and see the salvation of your God. Do you want something to rejoice in? You want something to rejoice in your heart about? Our God is in control. Our God is doing all of these things for the glory of His blessed Son and for the good of His people. Oh, these are wonderful times. You said, Marvin, I don't think that you know what's going on. Oh, yes, I do. And I've got, I've got an old man just like you do that just doubts and frets. And it just, yeah. <laughs> I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me when no one else hears, when no one else understands, when no one else sees. He does. He does. He who knows the end from the beginning. Do you think that really anything is out of control? <laughs> it's not. It's not. Verse Verse 8 to 13, rejoice not against me, O mine enemies. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be light unto me. I will bear the indignation, the chastisement of the Lord because I've sinned against Him whenever Almighty God, by His loving kindness and mercy, chastens his people he does it because he loves them he loves them I remember when I when I would have to discipline my children and I and I I told them I said listen this is the way it is when I tell you the second time the second time is go ahead go into the bedroom we're getting ready to talk. <laughs> and we didn't just talk. I took my belt off. That big old tall Gabe, he was as tall as I was. Last time I ever had to discipline him. He'll tell you, he remembers it. I walked into the house. I may have told you this. And I heard him when I walked in the front door. 
I heard him say something to Linda that I didn't like. Come here. Lay down right there. And he laid down on his stomach, and I took my belt off, and I said, Gabe, I said, you're not going to talk to your mama like that. And I wore him out. And then after I wore him out, I took that boy that was as big as I was, put him in my lap, held him, told him I loved him. And I said, Gabe, I said, I love you. I said, but that's not the way we're going to talk. Went back in there and apologized. When Almighty God, he says, I bear the indignation of the Lord, the chastisement, because I've sinned against him until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring forth, he will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold his righteousness. Then she that is mine enemy shall see it and shame shall cover her which said unto me, Where is the Lord thy God? Those that mock, you know, those that trust in the Lord right now, those that ridicule God's people, and say, well, Where's God now? I thought you said God was in control. You call this control? You call this control? Yeah. Yes, I do. I call this absolute control. Where is your God, David? He said, our God is in the heavens. And he has done whatsoever he pleased. What's he doing today? Whatsoever he pleased. He's ruling and reigning. And that settles the heart of God's people. Where is the Lord thy God? Mine eyes shall behold her. Now shall she be trodden down as mire of the streets in the day that thy walls are to be built. In that day shall the decree be far removed. In that day also he shall come even to thee from Assyria and from the fortified cities, from the fortress, even to the river, from sea to sea and from mountain to mountain. Notwithstanding, the land shall be desolate because of them that dwell therein for the fruit of their doings. I'll tell you this. In whatever state... A believer is in. Whatever it is, their safety is always the same. It's always, it never changes. Our dear sister, Mary Brown, our dear sister, Kathy Pruitt, our dear sisters, brothers, that by the grace of God, by the grace of God, who the Lord has allowed to at this time be sick. He does all things well. Do you know the security that they have right now? The Lord. That's the only security they've got. That's the only hope they've got. Same security that we have. Same security. Almighty God sends these disappointments and sorrows, chastisements to us for our good. Where's your God? Our God's in the heavens. And when He allows me to sit in darkness, that's what He said in verse 9. He said, I, I'll bear. I'm sorry, verse 8. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemies. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be my light. I may not know what he's doing right now. What's he doing right now? What's he doing right now at Millsite? Right now. What's he doing? When I sit in darkness, I may not know what the Lord is doing right now. He's not revealed to me. But the Lord should be my light. Lord, I may not know the end. I, I don't know, but I know this. That you're my light. I see him. By faith I rest in him. This is the comfort that we have. This is the strength that we have. Oh, the blessed privileges that we have to behold the triumph in the Lord Jesus Christ. The evil speak 
against God's people. But the Lord is their defense. Verse 14, feed thy people with thy rod. The flock of thine heritage, which dwell solitarily in the wood in the midst of Carmel, let them feed in Bashan and Gilead as in the days of old, according to the days of thy coming out of the land of Egypt, will I show unto him marvelous things. The nations shall see and be confounded at all their might. They shall lay their hand upon their mouth. The ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust like a serpent. They shall move out of their holes like worms of the earth. They shall be afraid of the Lord our God and shall fear because of thee. Men, by nature, find it very easy to mock God. Let me tell you the, the greatest exhibition of mockery. Now, you know, I, I tell you that men... The scriptures, the Lord says, they hated me before they hated you. They mock God. They mock Him. Let me tell you, the greatest exhibition of a man mocking God. You see these empty pews right here? I know there's some that are providentially gone. I understand that. But I'm talking about this community right here. There's the greatest exhibition right there. Those empty pews. Corey, it's coming a day when the trump of God is going to sound. Now this book's told us that. And the dead in Christ are going to be raised out of the grave. And those believers in this earth at that time is going to be raised too and meet them in the air. And the dead are going to be raised. Small and great, Scripture says in Revelation. And in that day, there's going to be a great judgment, the white judgment, the judgment seat of Christ, and every human being that's ever lived on this earth is going to stand before God. And they're going to be judged according, the Scripture says, to their works. And in that day, those who were not found written in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, God's going to cast them out into hell, into the lake of fire. And there's going to be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Nobody believes that. They don't believe that. Mark God. Mock God. You know what they're saying, Freddie? You're lying. You're lying. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I'll stand before God on my own merit. I'll stand before God upon my own works. The psalmist, I mean the, uh, the prophet says, hey, the nation shall see, be confounded, all their might, they'll lay their hand on their mouth. Their ears will be deaf. They'll lick the dust like a serpent. Move out of their holes like worms of the earth. They'll be afraid of the Lord our God and shall fear because of thee. But then the prophet sets forth the great statement of faith. And but for the grace of God, God's people, know that but for His grace, they'd be just like anybody else. They know this. I am what I am by His grace. Not, not unto me, not unto us, O oh Lord, but unto you. The honor, glory, praise. Lord, it was not that I chose you. You chose me. Lord, I didn't first love you. You first loved me. I love you. But you love me first. And with all of the confusion and, the, and disrespect and all of the animosity against God's people and everything against that which is right and holy and just, the prophet asked this question, Who, verse 18, is a God 
like unto thee, who with every one of God's people born in Adam, just like everybody else, who is a God like you? Exodus fifteen eleven says, Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like unto thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praising, doing wonders? Who is a God like unto you? Here's the answer. None. There is no God like unto him. Who is a God like unto thee? In this world, men have gods of their own creation. They create a, a God in their mind. And this is, this is the God of this world. It's a God that desires to do something for someone if the human being will allow them to do it. It's the God that is created in their mind who cannot save. He cannot save. The very essence of free will is from Satan that says, I will exalt myself above the Most High. I will. I will. And that's where free will, that's where free will, it's, it's of their father, the devil. Who is a God like unto you? Let me ask you this, the God of this world, the God of men's creation, the God that everyone worships, the God that has gone to the cross, they say, and everybody says their God has. They always say that He has. That He's gone to the cross and made salvation possible. Who is a God like unto our God? Who is a God like unto thee? that pardoneth iniquity. I read that. First time I read that, I, I just, I read it. And I, I thought, God that, and we do. We, we, we're right when we say the God that forgives sin. That's right. That is right. But let me tell you what pardon really means. It's to lift. To lift. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity? It has something to do with lifting something off of those that are guilty, that pardoneth iniquity. I know we're guilty. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I know that. God Almighty has set forth in His Word. There's none good, no, not one. From the sole of our foot to the crown of our head, here putrefying sores. They're not bound up. No one was looking. No one was seeking. Everyone, everyone is a rebel against God. As I said this morning in the services there in Fairmont, how much does man have? How much is man involved in salvation? None. 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 How much input does a man have in his salvation? Zero. Let me tell you who our God is. Who is a God like unto thee? Who? Here's what. That pardoneth iniquity. He that takes it and lifts it off. The object of his mercy. He took it off of him. I couldn't take it off of myself. Here's the sad part. I didn't want to take it off of myself. I wasn't even thinking about taking it off of myself. I had no thought, no desire, no ability. It never crossed my mind to lift my iniquity that pardons, lifts off, and places it on His Son. Who is a God like unto thee? that can cause the iniquity of His people to be born in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. And the Lord pardoned His people, lifted off, made Him to be sin, and they never knew it.
until he called them out of darkness and told them about it. Never even thought it. You see, the God of this world wants to be merciful, they say. But I've got to do something first. I've got to act first before he can be merciful to me. I've got to give him my heart. I've got to pray through. I've got to be baptized. I've got to speak in tongues. I've got to do something. No. Who is a God like unto thee that lifts iniquity in his sight? Who is a God like unto thee in whom men are looked upon in grace in his eyes? Not because of what they did or could do, because they couldn't do anything, but merely because he chose to show mercy. That's it. There is no other explanation. Who is a God like unto thee that according to his will and his purpose and his choice lifts the iniquity and the guilt of sin from a sinner and lays it upon his lamb for full payment and spews out his wrath, his justice, his judgment on his son and saw it before the foundation of the world and justified his people freely by his grace before they were ever born, he knew them and declared them in Christ holy. Holy. Who is a God like unto thee? Who is a God like that? A God that deals with sin. By taking sin, I, I don't even, I can't even describe sin. Somebody says, what is sin? Sin is a transgression of the law. That, 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 all of the explanation that I could give of that right now. I, I know what it says and I understand it. I understand it to the extent that I can understand it, which is not much. All I know is that Almighty God took sin that I can't even describe and lifted it off and laid it on his son and his son was made sin. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? I know this. The Lord has a heritage. He said he's, he's got a people chosen According to the election of grace, I know that. And I know this. I know that they've been redeemed by blood. I know in time they're regenerated in power. And I know that they're made willing in the day of His power to come to Christ. I know that. And they believe. And you know why they come? Because they want to. Because they want to. They want to come. They're not robots. God's people are not robots. God's people are new creatures created in righteousness and holiness. And they come and they cast themselves upon the mercy of Almighty God. Lord, have mercy on me. He already had. He already did. Gave them life. And they spoke. They spoke righteously. Lord, you are. As you say you are, you are. As you say I am, I am. Made willing. Who is a God like unto thee? They're in this world. Warring against the old man within. They know they have transgressions. If we say we have no sin, we make God a liar. But who is a God like unto thee? That passeth by the transgression. What does that mean? Does that mean that he... He's, he's unconcerned with it. Oh, no. No, no, no. It's like I said, whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. God knows how to draw us back to himself. 
God knows. Why does he do that? He loves us. But when it says he passeth by the transgression, he does not take notice of it in wrath. He doesn't impute or charge them with it. He charged it to his son. And for Christ's sake, God hides his faith in wrath. He hides his faith from wrath. Excuse me. He hides his faith from wrath and will not call them into account for their sins. Who is a God like unto thee? When I see the blood, and he always does, I'll pass over you. Who is a God like unto thee that passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his people? His heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever. And that loving chastisement that I know we just read in verse 9. That's what he said. Verse 9. I will bear the indignation, the chastisement of the Lord. Because I've sinned against him. I'll tell you. Whenever the Lord chastens his people. Thanks be unto him. It's always tempered. In mercy. Always. Always. It's always tempered in mercy. Even when we all have, as we spoke a while ago, of chastening our children. It's always tempered in mercy. We never, we never treat our children as harshly as we could. Why? We love them. We love them. We want to discipline them. We want to teach them. And we teach them in the way that God's told us to teach them. But it's always in mercy. He retaineth not his anger forever. We know that these words of correction and love is from him that has everlastingly loved us. But these chastenings, they're not going to be forever. No. There's going to come a time when we're going to see him as he is and we're going to be like him. And there's not going to be any more sorrows or tears. There's not going to be any more disappointments. There's not going to be any more rebellions from within. The people of God that sees that old man. As Paul said, oh wretched man that I am. One day there's not going to be any more of that. But here's the reason that he doesn't retain his anger forever. Because... Last part of verse 18, he delighteth in mercy. He delighteth. That ETH, you've heard this before, that's a, that's a present progressive. It's he delighteth. He just, he always delights. He ever delights. Takes great pleasure in being merciful and compassionate to whomsoever he will for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. Wrath has been appeased. Justice satisfied. The law honored. God's people redeemed by blood. There's only one way, one way only that God can be merciful. To delight in mercy. To delight in it. I, I just, I try to read that and I try to get a hold of that. I just... And every time I read it, I think, Lord, can it be that, Lord, that you delight to show mercy to me? That you delight in that? That you delight in showing compassion? That you delight in loving? That you delight for the sake of your son? Show mercy. He delighteth in mercy, to show mercy to Christ's people for Christ's sake. I want to read something to you. Luke 1, this is a blessed passage. Luke 1, verse 68-72. I want to show you, when we talk about the mercy of God, let me show you, let me show you God's mercy. Luke 1, 68 Luke chapter 1, verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. The spiritual Israel. For he hath visited 
and redeemed his people. Now that's, we know, we know who's talking about. He's visited and redeemed his people. Who did he die for? He died for his people. Who did he redeem? His people. Who said that? He said that. People will argue with you and I'll say, well, now I don't know that, you know, I, I think that his blood is capable of saving all men. I said, well, I'll tell you this. Well, we won't argue that point, which I know. If he purposed to save all men, he'd save them all. But I do know this, that he has visited and has redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Who is the horn? Who is the power? That's what, when you see horn, power. Does Almighty God get the job done? Yes, He does. He hath raised up an horn of salvation. Who? For us in the house of His servant David, as He spake by the mouth of His holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies. Enemies. Satan. This world. Self. Our enemies. And from the hand of them that hate us, verse 72, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. To perform, to establish, to do, to accomplish the mercy. The mercy of God is a person. It's a person. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ is the mercy of God. Christ Jesus is the mercy of God. Do you know why? Do you know why God Almighty has pardoned iniquity, lifted it off, placed it on another? Do you know why that he's passed by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? Do you know why he retaineth not his anger forever? You know why? Because he delights in Christ. And for Christ's sake, his people. When he sees his son and all in him, God's satisfied. The Lord Jesus Christ has satisfied. He delights in mercy you try to separate mercy from the Lord Jesus Christ, and there's no mercy. Mercy, unless mercy is set forth as Him, His righteousness, unless mercy finds its nature, its source, its being in the Lord Jesus Christ, its sweetness from the Lord Jesus Christ, Except it find mercy in Christ, there is no mercy. He delights in mercy. He will, verse 19, he will turn again. That's not God. In God there is no variableness, there's no shadow of turning. God doesn't turn. No, I'll tell you what he does, he turns us. Now here's the mercy of God. That almighty God would turn his people. I looked that word up. Turn. I listened to this. It means to pull in again, to recover, to rescue, to restore. Who is a God like unto thee that rescues and restores and pulls in, passes by, pardons iniquity, anger is not retained forever? Who is a God that turns his people, that turns them from him, running away from him, who were running down to the pit? Who is a God like unto you? Jeremiah 31, 18 says, Thou hast chastened me, and I was chastened as a bullock unaccustomed to the yoke. Turn thou me, and I shall be turned, for thou art the Lord my God. He delights in mercy. He will have compassion on us. Do you know how? And here's the, the wonder of compassion. 
there, there's no compassion, really, unless you've been there. Unless you've been there. Someone could call me and say, man, I'm going through this, this trial right here, Marvin. I, I, don't, I don't know, you know. Unless you've been there, you cannot say, well, I, I know how you feel. Unless you've been there. You don't know how they feel. You don't know what it's like to lose a child unless you lost a child. You don't know what it's like to lose a spouse unless you lost a spouse. You don't know what it's like to have a doctor tell you you have cancer unless you've been there. But if you've been there and somebody tells you, well, I just talked to a doctor. I just, you know, and you say, I know how you feel. You can have compassion on them. You can have compassion on them. He will have compassion upon us. The scripture says, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. Who can have compassion? I'll tell you who can have compassion. Let me read Hebrews 4. Verse 15 and 16, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points. I've read that and I think, surely there must be something that, I mean, that I've went through or thought or been tempted with. No. But was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Concerning him, who is a God like unto thee? The scripture says, he will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities. Not only has he pardoned our iniquities, lifted our iniquities off, place the guilt of them upon His blessed Son, but will subdue our iniquities. I'm sinning right now against God. You are too. You are too. We haven't thought on Him as we should. We haven't praised Him. We haven't thanked Him. We've come in there, we've met together this afternoon, we've had this service. And our minds have wandered. Mine has too. Mine has too. You say, well, how do you keep up? I don't know, to be honest with you, sometimes how I even keep up with what I'm doing because of the frailty of my flesh and the iniquities that I commit right now. Paul says, I see in me, that is in my flesh, there dwells no good thing. Sin is present with me, but he will subdue our iniquities. The scripture says, our sin shall not have dominion over us. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. God will subdue. They don't rule. That old heart of stone has been removed, dethroned, beheaded. That's what it means. It doesn't rule anymore. God's purpose, God's grace, God's spirit is pledged to prevent it. Sin is not going to have dominion over you. God has said He will subdue it. And thou will cast all their sins into the depth of the sea. Not the physical sea, but the sea, the fountain which God opened in the Redeemer's side. His blood. That's the blood that He said, When I see that, I'll pass over you. Sins cast as far as the east is from the west, behind His back. I hear again now, I don't understand. I, I, he said, I will remember them no more. I know he, I know he remembered, but not in wrath, not in judgment, not in no. And he said, Thou, verse 20, wilt perform the truth to Jacob. 
Thou wilt give the truth, Christ, to Jacob, his people. I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob, you that I've loved. Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. You, you sons of Jacob, you supplanters, you tricksters, all of us. All that God has everlastingly loved and known. The scripture says, thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob. The mercy to Abraham, according to that everlasting covenant of grace, I am your shield and your great and exceeding reward. What the Lord God has eternally purposed and promised in Christ, He's faithful, faithful. My friend, the newspaper tells us every day that things are bad. Humanly speaking, I guess they are. I hate to see disrespect. I hate to see disrespect of Almighty God. I hate to see disrespect of this country. I love this country. I love the men and the women that have stood and defended this country. I love soldiers. I love people that are patriotic, Americans. But I hate seeing the disrespect toward Almighty God. And I do know this, that humanly speaking, we might say, well, things look bad. Well, I can tell you this, who is a God like it, our God that pardoneth iniquity, that passeth by the transgression of his heritage, who has compassion because he delights in mercy, who retaineth not his anger forever, who will turn. Who is a God like unto you? There is no God like our God. Lord, bless these words to our heart for Christ's sake. Amen.